WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. In the fight to promote mental health, one of the most daunting challenges is overcoming deep-seated stigma that is associated with mental illness. That is an even more serious problem now, during a pandemic that has forced us to cope with isolation and grief, drivers of mental illness, in ways that we have never really experienced before. That stigma against anyone deemed mentally ill is a cultural phenomenon that is really insidious and very deeply rooted in our culture. But my next guest says the good news is, since it's our culture that has created that stigma, we can also change our culture to be more accepting. Roy Richard Grinker is a professor of anthropology at George Washington University, and he's author of the new book, Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness, which was released yesterday. Richard Grinker, welcome to the welcome to Detroit today. Thanks, Stephen. I, I appreciate you having me. Yes. Um, so I want to start here and talk about this uh, this idea of mental illness permeating uh, mental illness stigma permeating our culture, which sort of raises a question: Was it always this way? Were we ever a society that was more accepting? of mental illness than we are now. Well, there was certainly a time when we didn't send people to institutions and asylums. When the uh, very first mental hospitals were developed in England and in France, uh, there were in fact laws that said that if you had somebody in your family who was able to produce something, it was able to contribute something to the household, then you should take care of them at home. And it was only when we really get into the throes of capitalism and this idea that the ideal person is autonomous, individual, independent, never dependent on others, that we start to see people with disabilities, including mental illnesses, uh, confined in asylums and institutions. Uh, by the end of the 1700s in France, uh, nearly 1% of the population of Paris was confined in asylums. So there was a time when we didn't send people away. Uh, and we also see this in societies around the world. As an anthropologist, you know, I'm well aware of this. Uh, in most places in the world, your family, your village, your community uh, has responsibility for you. Mm. So uh, talk about what the stigma of mental illness looks like and the damage it does, and especially the damage it does at a time like this when I think your average person is, of course, under way more stress than normal and the drivers of mental illness, grief, uh, uh, isolation, all of these these things that, that we know really cause people to have uh, mental health uh, issues are, are enhanced. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. So, so what does the stigma look like in this context and what damage is it doing to people? Well, you know, that's a really great question um, because uh, for many, many decades now, the mental health professions have tried to convince us uh, that mental illnesses are conditions of the brain. They're brain disorders, and they need to be treated as brain disorders. But we know that mental illnesses are incredibly intertwined with the experiences that we have. 
Uh, my grandfather was a psychiatrist who ran uh, psychiatric operations in North Africa during the Tunisian campaign in World War II. And he was treating soldiers, thousands of them actually, who'd never had any psychiatric history, but developed mental illnesses amid the stresses of war. We just saw a study come out of 69 million records, medical records in the United States, showing that a significant percentage of the people with mental illnesses in the three months following a positive test for COVID had their very first mental illness. They had no psychiatric history at all. What my grandfather said then in World War II is still relevant today, that these are normal people in abnormal circumstances. And I can tell you personally, I've experienced far more anxiety uh, than I have probably in 10, 15 years because of this pandemic. Mm. This is an opportunity, actually, though, for us to address mental health issues. If wars are an opportunity to say, look, stresses cause problems and it's nothing to be ashamed of, we need to do the same now. So, so what is that opportunity that you're talking about and, and how do we take yeah. advantage of it? I mean, I, I think this is one of the toughest things to get people to acknowledge, first of all, but also to accept, not just in their in their own lives, but in others, that that it's normal to feel anxiety or stress because of things that are that are going on, and it's okay to raise your hand and say, "This is happening to me, and and I need help." But but how do we how do we turn that corner? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, despite all the awareness we have about mental illnesses, uh, the shame, the secretiveness, the fear. Uh, around mental illnesses continues to be the major barrier to care. I mean, if you, you can control for insurance, lack of insurance, um, poverty, wealth, and uh, sex and race, and it cross-cuts all of these categories that people uh, are not comfortable seeking care. Now, if you had a broken leg, you'd never not you know go to the doctor. But the average time from a first psychosis to a medical visit for that psychosis in the United States is 74 weeks. So what we need to do is find ways to speed things up. And, and, and at the community level, what we need to do is to support everybody and to understand that conditions that we live in, not our own weaknesses, are what create um, these, these problems. Um, there are also things that we can do, of course, at the level of leadership, right? I mean, there is no senior behavioral health scientist uh, on any COVID task force uh, that I know of at the federal level. And, you know, what we need to do there is, you know, try to uh, uh, promote computer and internet technologies to help people with psychotherapy telehealth. We can develop software that helps to monitor uh, people for outreach and surveillance. We can find ways to reduce the isolation of the elderly, undocumented immigrants, people experiencing homelessness. There's any number of things that can be done if we have the right leadership. I'm talking with Roy Richard Grinker. He's a professor of anthropology at George Washington University, also author of the new book, Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness, which was released just yesterday. Uh, we're talking about mental health in the pandemic, how we 
deal with the stressors that the pandemic has brought to all of our lives, but also how we make it more acceptable, more socially acceptable for people to raise their hands and say, look, I am having a hard time with all of these things and I do need help. Uh, That is something that even in normal times, our culture doesn't readily accept. Uh, During the pandemic, of course, we have more people who need that assistance and we have not necessarily changed uh, the culture to be more accepting of that. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us how issues of mental health and the stigma surrounding mental illness have affected your life and especially during the pandemic. What are some of the ways you'd like to see our culture change in terms of how we view these issues? And call in and tell us how you're coping with the myriad crises of our time, the political instability, the pandemic, environmental crises. Uh, How have they been affecting you mentally and emotionally? Early on in the pandemic, we did a number of shows here where we just opened up the phone lines and had listeners share with us how they were doing, how they were coping with this massive disruption and all of the grief and stress of the pandemic. It's been a while since we did that. It's been a while since we talked about those things as a community here on Detroit Today. So uh, give us a call and tell us how you're doing, how you're coping with the pandemic as we get closer to the year anniversary of uh, this terrible disease disrupting our lives the way it did. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we will try to work you into the conversation that way. Let's start with uh, Jeff in Huntington Woods. Jeff, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. I um, wanted to say I'm a private practice therapist. I used to be a ER doc in Detroit, and I'm a private. I, I got my own medical problems. I got an MSW, and I'm a private practice therapist. I have to say the clients that I've had, incredibly anxious, incredibly depressed right now. The real challenge that I see that I wanted to throw in is that I'm not getting a boatload of new clients. It seems like as people get more and more depressed, more and more anxious, they often turn inwards, and then they don't reach out. Um, it, it, so I just wish that more more folks would reach out because the ones that I'm seeing, I think we're getting through it. I help, help them get through it, and they're doing better, but, but so few folks reach out. Mm, yeah, uh, I really appreciate the call, Jeff, and I love that uh, you've got that perspective of somebody trying to help people through through these issues and this time. Uh, Roy Richard Grinker, uh, respond to what Jeff's talking about there. Well, as an anthropologist, I have done work in societies that uh, aren't as atomized, you know, where people aren't living uh, alone or even in nuclear families. They're living in villages. They're living in, in big communities where they are interacting with people all the time. And while things are not perfect in these places, in Central Africa, South Africa, Namibia, uh, where I've been doing work, um, people aren't alone. And if there's one thing that has really been a, uh, uh, a, an important factor in uh, outcomes, uh, positive outcomes for people with serious mental illnesses and common uh, milder mental illnesses, it's social supports. And 
uh, as a father of a child with autism, I spend a lot of my time drawing some lessons from other societies to say, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to expand my network and my social supports so that I have people who know how I feel, who will check on me, who will interact with me. Um, and, you know, one of the problems of, uh, of American society is that kind of isolation and this, you know, arbitrary age of 18 or 21, you're supposed to be outside of the house and people living in these kind of isolated um, silos. Um, I think that is, you know, I think that's what, what Jeff was, was talking about. Some people are just so isolated that they, they don't reach out for help and they don't have anybody really pushing them to do so. Mm. Uh, again, Jeff, thanks very much for the call and uh, the perspective. Let's go to Ken in Troy. Ken, welcome to the show. Hi. I, I, I think that there is, in fact, some stigma in, involved, and it is exacerbated by the use of the terms illness and disorder. Mm. What, because what we're really witnessing is, is actually a, a healthy response. If you've been through combat and you respond by, by feeling stress about what you've been through, that is a normal and healthy response. And the same thing is true with the, the, the experience that people are having with the isolation that we're, you know, we're all going through from, from the pandemic. And to be honest, from watching uh, people abuse our country and invade our capital. Um, the response that we're having to that, I believe, is not should should not be you know described as a disorder or or an illness. Mm. That's that's the problem. Uh, Ken, you're you're absolutely right about the power of language, the power of words to not just define things for us, but but frame things in our in our minds, and and those words <clears throat> have negative connotations. You're right in our in our culture. Uh, Roy Grinker, I wonder what you make of the way we talk about this and the effect well, it has. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really great comment. Uh, the caller is totally right. You know, we evolved to experience anxiety uh, because it was it helped us. You know, if I had no anxiety, I would probably not look before I crossed the street and I get hit by a car. Anxiety is important, and this is what my grandfather said in World War II. These were normal men in abnormal circumstances. But there are judgment calls to make between something that is not an illness and something that it is, that is. You know, when do we get from sadness to depression? When do you get from shyness to autism? And that moment is when that response to the stressors is significant enough that it impairs your life, that you can't work that you can't relate to people the way you want to, that you can't sleep, that you may be taking um, substances that are deleterious to your health, or that worse, that you may be considering suicide. At that point, it is a disorder. It is an illness, and people deserve to get treated for it. I want to say that I actually use the word illness, and I do not like the word disorder. Mm. I don't like the word disorder because it evokes all of those phrases that we use in English, like a screw loose, <laughs> cracking up, a nervous breakdown, things that, that, that suggest that somehow the mind is fragmenting and splitting apart. Um, I prefer illness because, at least in social science, the term illness really suggests the full experience of an illness, not just the ailment itself. 
but how we experience it in our society, in our family, what kind of health care we receive, how we change our vision of ourselves and how we seek to change ourselves and relate to others. Um, illness is about the, the facets of a real life, whereas disease, disorder, these are the technician's terms, the doctor's terms, and, and I don't like them at all. I agree with the caller about disorder. Okay, we need to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Roy Richard Grinker uh, of George Washington University. Uh, We will also get to more of your calls. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Frank and Warren, you are up next. Uh, If you want to join him, give us a call or go to Facebook or to Twitter and leave some comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest is Roy Richard Brinker. He is a professor of anthropology at George Washington University and author of a brand new book called Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness. It was just released yesterday. We're talking about mental health and mental illness as it relates to the pandemic, how we deal with those issues uh, in this pandemic, and how the stigma that surrounds those issues all the time makes it even more difficult to deal with those issues in the middle of this pandemic. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you about how you're doing during the pandemic, but also what you think about how we relax some of this cultural stigma that surrounds mental health issues. 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Frank and Warren. Frank, what's on your mind? Hello. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that I really love the last caller, uh, their description of how we need to destigmatize mental health variances in general. Uh, I called because I just want to say that uh, I'm not okay, and it's okay to not be okay. Um, uh, Personally, in the past seven days, I've called the mental health uh, suicide hotline, and um, it's just these times are really messed up. And it's, it really is fine to seek help. Uh, I lost my job, my apartment, uh, health insurance, everything. Um, and it's, it's all cascaded. Uh, and, you know, with everything that's going on in the world and the country right now, I attended a protest in my hometown of Shelby Township in October. And things just, they don't seem like they're getting better. I mean, they, they, they could be, but who knows? So, Frank, uh, first of all, I'm very sorry about all of those things. I mean, and I think uh, if you can take solace in anything, it's maybe the idea that there are so many people uh, in our community who are in the same boat, that that we uh, have just a lot of folks who who are really hurting right now. But give me an idea of how easy you've found it to get help, to be able 
to talk about the things that are happening to you and, and maybe be able to put it into perspective? Well, it's, uh, it's difficult to describe my, uh, my safety blankets kind of, uh, shrinking and tightening around me. Uh, and without having health coverage, I don't have easy access to mental health programs, but by reaching out to that number that I called this weekend, um, I was able to get, uh, phone numbers to two different uh institutions that may help me i didn't really write down the information but it's it's difficult i would say it's it's hard to reach out especially when you see other people seemingly doing fine or at least financially doing fine and uh knowing like ah god the world's crumbling around me Mm. (laughs) and i don't got a hold of it yeah yeah frank i i really really want to wish you better Better luck, and um, uh, and I also want to point you to um, some some resources, which we will put up at our our, our webpage wdet.org. But but of course, um, you can always call for counseling, referrals, and inpatient treatment. Uh, an organization called Common Ground at one eight hundred two three one 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 two seven, or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if that's that's the space that you're in at uh, 1-800-273-8255. But I really love that you called and and shared your experience with us. Uh, Roy Grinker, respond to what Frank's talking about. Well, I, I, I feel terrible for, for him. Uh, and I know that it's hard to put a positive spin on that degree of suffering. But I find his willingness to voice uh, his feelings, to come on the air, to take that effort, to speak to uh, a radio audience, to be inspirational. Um, The fact that we're hearing from him, the fact that he's open about his needs and his suffering uh, is is actually a positive sign. Uh, The heroes of my book, Nobody's Normal, are the people who go to their managers at work and say, I have this or that issue. The students who come up to me uh, and say, I have attention deficit disorder, or I have post-traumatic stress disorder, or I'm having complicated grief from the death of a parent, or a student who asks to talk to the entire class at the beginning of the semester to say that he has Tourette's syndrome and may blurt out comments and, and, and words that are going to be offensive and that it's a condition. This ability to talk now about mental illnesses is giving me hope that we're turning a corner to reduce stigma and make it more possible for people to get care. I mean, if Frank didn't uh, call those numbers, if Frank didn't call this radio station, um, he would be isolated. And, and so you know, I, I, I really feel for him. Uh, and I've met many people uh, like him during the pandemic. Uh, but I want to really, you know, say that I admire him too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Frank, we wish you all the, the best luck and, and really appreciate you calling to be part of the program today. Let's go to uh, Dr. Curtis Long here in Detroit. Dr. Long, we've got just a few minutes left, but I wanted to get your perspective in here. 
Hi, uh, I'm sitting in my car um, outside of the Wayne County Juvenile Detention Facility where I see a lot of mm. kids, uh, some adults, uh, kids who are 18, 19. But from my perspective, uh, the doctor is correct. You know, we really have to focus on decreasing the stigma of what, quote unquote, mental illness is and what it's not. Here, you know, we see a lot of uh, issues related to uh, poor behaviors or uh, negative behaviors, which uh, leads to kids being um, suspended from school and things like that. So, yeah, it's very, it's complicated because they're kids, yet, uh, as we all know, it it takes a village to raise kids. Therefore, these kids in here, you know, their villages, their parents, who unfortunately, based on the uh, virus, aren't able to connect with us. But um, the positive is that we started to do uh, electronic tele health, Mm -hmm. uh, even in the juvenile system, to uh, bridge that gap. Um, One thing I'll say that I I do, I like to merge different entities together. So here I'm able to bring in books, but I'm also able to get on the phone and talk to creative people within our community who, as uh, Mr. Henson, you know, they're going through it, too, because they can't perform their art. But my, 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 my view is uh, by any means necessary. So if I can bring a musician such as Marion Hayden in here to talk to kids about music, yet also share her history of dealing with uh, depression and th- excuse me, uh, the loss of her mother and just what it means to be a creative person and yeah. having this virus put you on hold. Yeah. So kids will adapt to that, you know, whether it's their genre of rap or whatever. You know, it's a slow process, but I'd say what uh, members in the community, particularly uh, mental health professionals, have to do is be patient. And, you know, we learn a lot of things in in medical school and things like that, but how to use both and blend it while hearing these Hmm. kids and their family, I think, is really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Long, I really love that you you called to share that. I also love that you referenced Marion Hayden, who's one of my favorite Detroiters and uh, a fantastic uh, bassist uh, uh, here in the, in our city. Thank you so much uh, for your call. Okay, uh, Roy Richard Grinker, author of the new book, Nobody's Normal, How Culture Created the Stigma of Mental Illness. It was really wonderful to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much. Thank great. you. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we're going to talk about Michigan's State of the State, which is tonight. And we'll also take a look at one of Georgia's newest U.S. Senators, Raphael Warnock and talk about the historical seclusion of African-American senators in general. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.